You ready? I'm ready. Hollywood Ways. What's happening? Hollywood Ways. I'm Doug Ellen. And we are breaking in the brand new studio of super mogul Kevin Connolly's Action Park Media. Super mogul. That's big. Joint production with uh, Podcast One, but uh, congrats on the new studio, Thank Kevin. You. You're fucking nuts. It's like 33,000 square feet, and it basically looks like Universal. We right? got to get some other podcasts going. It's <laughs> nice to hear that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are, um, what's the word? You're christening. You're christening the new podcast, the new studio. All right. Well, let's listen. We're going to get into Shawshank Redemption, which, you know, and I'm excited because this is like a movie that is just universally loved. I think the three of us love it. So that'll be, you know, we won't be fighting and criticizing, you know, like uh, the bodyguard. But I want to talk about some. Everybody hated the bodyguard. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I still love it, by the way. And there's a slight change. My brother called me and said, I. how did you not know that the bodyguard sucked? You don't remember that? <laughs> My brother's a cop. You don't know shit. And little like information that's come to pass since that episode aired. I saw the Clive Davis documentary and he told them, you better get some more music in this movie when he saw it without music because it's not good. And there's a chance that we're going to get David Foster, who produced the soundtrack, which is one of the biggest soundtracks of all time, if not the biggest. I was about to say, I think it's the biggest. Yeah, so he may come on this show, possibly, if Ted Foxman can deliver. So we'll see what happens. So anyway, um, I want to talk about a couple of things before we get into Shawshank Redemption. First of all, Hollywood Ways is growing. We had a good week. Thanks for sharing, and please keep doing the same thing. And uh, again, I say this on Victory the Podcast, but if you have a problem, DM us, okay? Don't put it on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) And Breezy, I don't know if you saw this, and I know you're not sensitive, but whoever called Breezy a thug, I'd like to f*** I mean, are you out of your mind, you racist scumbag? Like, what are we talking about here? I mean, like, this is one of the nicest people I've ever met, a thug. So it's anyway. kind of a compliment. Is right? it my tattoo? I mean, I wish I, I want to be a thug. I wish I could be a thug. <laughs> You're not a thug. Like, Have you guys seen that movie, The Hate You Give? No. The acronym is thug. Oh. The so, Hate You Give. Yeah, so I, you got to just give love? Is that what you say? You just got to watch the movie. Maybe we'll talk about it. All right. Maybe we'll talk about Didn't that. Didn't Tupac but... say that that's what Thug Life stood for? Yes. Is that true, do you think? Um, yeah, I, I believe it. Right. I believe it. I don't, you know. So anyway, though, people DM me. They like some inside stories and stuff. And I just want to talk about, like, for writers out there, this is a good program. And I just want to give a shout out. My boy Cassius Corrigan, I did this thing called uh, Impact, which everyone can look online. You can find out about it. It's writers from all over the world who don't need agents, don't need anything, can get discovered by some of the people. Ron Howard's involved with it and Brian Grazer. And my friend. I uh, love Brian. I was a mentor to this kid, Cassius Corrigan, who's awesome, and he just sold his first show to Netflix. He left me a message last night saying, I want to thank you for all the advice, and it made me feel good. But more importantly, it's a great outlet for people to get into. And then I want to get into something else because you have to protect yourself in this business. So a lot of you are sending me messages. You want to talk to me about your scripts. You want to talk to me about this. I've said it a bunch of times. Unfortunately, number one, I don't have the time, but number two, I can't look at your stuff because there is no protection and you could one day say that I stole it from you or whatever and I'm going to get into a story that happened to me but you guys you guys have any stuff that happened to you that you, I know breezy when you signed your empire deal you didn't even have a lawyer right I mean right so that's dangerous stuff and and now yeah. 
you are making sure that you're on. Oh, lockdown. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's, I mean, it's that easy. I yeah. mean, when you, you, you're so excited, you know, adrenaline's running, you're like, shh, signed it. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell a little story. Those things matter. <laughs> people want inside stories. I'm going to give a little one. So when Entourage is wrapping up, it's time for me to come up with what's my new show. I had already realized I hate writing and I didn't <laughs> want to do it. And I wanted to produce. Not that producing is easy. It's easier than writing, though. So I came up with this idea. I wanted to do this show about hedge funds, okay? Mm -hmm. And what do you do when you're a producer? You find writers that can execute your idea. Similar to how Mark Wahlberg and Steve Levinson found me for Entourage. So what I did was I found a movie that I liked, Rounders. And I got the guys who wrote Rounders to write this hedge fund show. We sold it to HBO. Now, when you're producing, I don't get paid. We sold it. These writers got paid. My life, I have a lot of friends in Wall Street. And growing up, I have friends who make $100 million, and I have friends who clean pools. And we all hang out, and it's not really a separation, and I thought there could be a good show about that, loosely inspired by some stuff from Stevie Cohn, who now owns the Mets, who's one of the biggest hedge fund guys in the world. Anyway, we do this show. These writers write it. HBO ultimately passes on it. Cut to two years later, I'm in a friend's office. He brings in this guy, Andrew Ross Sorkin, who is a New York Times writer and a CNBC contributor. And Andrew says, I want to do a TV show that's set in the hedge fund world. And I said, wow, you know what? I had these guys who wrote me a good script a couple of years ago. And uh, maybe I put you with them. And uh, we turned that half hour show that I had into an hour. Okay. So I called those guys up who I thought were my friends, by the way, aside from the fact that I brought them into HBO to sell the show. And I said, hey, guys, I want to put you together. And let's talk about this. And they said, wow, that's an interesting idea. Let us think about it. Four weeks later, I checked in again on them. I said, hey, guys, have you thought about that? Like, we're still thinking about it. Never heard about it again until a year and a half later when one of them asked me to do their podcast, which was seven years ago. So the one good thing I can say about this guy is he was early on in the podcast game. But while I'm doing his podcast, he asked me what I'm working on. And at the time, I was working on The Brick with Mike Tyson and Spike Lee. I was working on my own show called 40. And I said, what are you working on? And he told me he's doing this show set in the hedge fund world called Billions. And you can probably hear my voice on the phone going, I, I mean, on the podcast going, huh? And it didn't even register me for a couple of hours that what a producer does, I did more than most do. I've given away credits for far less than this. Now, I want everyone to be clear on this. I want nothing about this. I haven't seen the show. Maybe it's great. I thought those guys were talented, so it wouldn't surprise me. But this was like kind of as low rent, low life shit as can possibly be done. So what I want to talk to you guys about is protecting yourself and everybody out there. When you have your ideas, you know, and again, I'm not talking about plagiarism. I didn't write a single word of either of the scripts, not the one for HBO and not for Billions. But it was my idea that got them paid to write a show set in hedge funds. And it was my idea to connect them with the other guy who had a book and a story. So I want to make sure. Have you ever had anything, Kevin Connolly, that kind Have of you spoken to anybody about that? I mean, did you call them? Did you write an email? Did you? I mean, it's not like you're one to bite your tongue. What? what you know what? what? You it was. It That's was wild. I heard of that show too. Yeah, I show it, watched it, but show. I heard of it. The show does well. To be totally honest with you, I was so busy at the time, and things were going well. I, I don't even know what I would have ever wanted of it. And I still don't want anything of it. It was more of a like, what kind of fucking human beings wouldn't call me and say, listen, we don't need you on this show, but obviously you're a producer of some kind, whatever it is. But um, no, I didn't. I just never spoke to them again. And 
I'm really talking about this more for the audience to know that it's important. It's important, yeah. To make sure you cross your lines, dot your I's, and take care of everything. For Just me, cross your T's. Well, and dot your I's. Yeah, okay. Even better. That's a smarter <laughs> move, and Breezy's got the answers. But Conley, have you ever had anybody that you thought, A, you were in business with, B, that you thought was kind of a friend that kind of did something that we can debate how shady that was, and everybody can debate it. But just so you people out there know, I have given people producer credits on stuff for doing far less than what I just described. And I guess the way I can compare it, imagine if Mark Wahlberg and Steve Levinson came to me and said, we want to do a show called Entourage about a movie star and his friends. I wrote a script and HBO passed. A year later, they called me up. They're like, you know what? We want to set you up with Leo to do a slightly different version of that show. And then a year later, Leo and I went and made the show without Mark and, and Levinson. That's how insane to me it is. So, That's how it feels to you. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think it's a debatable feel. I mean, I, I, one day I'll maybe hear some other side, but I don't think there is any other side. But is that, anyway, is anything well, ever happened? If that's true, that's a, that's a bummer. Well, Kevin, yeah. you know me 20 years. I mean, there's nothing that's not true. I mean, it's... Uh, no, not true. I'm saying I'm just wondering what the other side to that is, if there is one. There know? probably isn't. But anyway, like I said, I want nothing out of this. I want the universe to take care of itself and burn them in fucking hell. But anyway, so, <laughs> so that's what I'll say about that. And, uh, and uh, you guys, nothing, huh, Colin? Yeah. Yeah, just no, that but smooth it, but sailing for 20 years? No, it is true, though. I mean, I, you know, the thing about the script. So if, if somebody, if somebody, you know, emailed you a script about, I don't know, Billy the Kid, and you never even looked at it, and you kind of opened the file, or, you know, and, and then out of the blue, you know, 10 years later, without even thinking about it, you were making a Billy the Kid story, that guy could have that case. Yeah, they could right? totally come at you. And I have, like I said, I have these DMs where people are like, come on, man, give me a half hour of your time. First of all, I don't have a half hour of your time. You don't ask a dentist to give you a half hour of free time. You don't go, hey, right. why don't you come clean my teeth for nothing because you're a dentist. So anyway, I don't have time to read your scripts. I don't want to read your scripts, but I do like to help as much as I can. And that's why I say I did that mentorship program with Impact, which everybody who wants to write out there get involved with it and uh we'll talk more about that but we're going to come back and talk about just a great classic movie shawshank redemption right after this all right welcome back and uh you know we we had to go to a break because connelly's got to pay for these new offices but breezy wanted to add to the conversation <laughs> for our new room no i was gonna say actually i i wanted to i had an idea for something i don't know if it would have been uh film or series, you know, but I wanted to show the script to one of the writers that I knew and I liked him and he actually told me no. He said I wanted I want you to copyright it, you know, right. first and, and do what you have to do before I look at it. Yeah. And, and I just I thought that was a very, you know, respectful way yeah. to put it, you know, early on because I I would have wouldn't have known and he was just like, you know, people steal shit all the time. Not saying I would, yeah. but I just want you to get in the habit of making sure your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed. And even more you so you want it to come from a third party party you want an agent to send yeah. it to you because i mean even even me i you know my father kept harassing me about like his friend's son who had an idea for a thing and then we did something on entourage which is you know it's a pretty cliched storyline we had like a uh guy from the old neighborhood come out and the guy thought I stole it. I'm like, listen, bro, it's been on every show since like 1975. Yeah. The cousin shows up, the bad, you know, boy yeah. or whatever. So everybody be careful out there, protect your ideas, but don't be precious. That doesn't mean you can't share things with people, yeah. but be smart, right? Register with the Writers Guild and whatever. So anyway, I want to get into Shawshank Redemption. The Shawshank. 73rd on AFI, which I went to the American Film Institute, so I like to talk about their list. 73rd on the all-time list on their list. And Breezy had never seen it till last night. So what would you think? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I was a little nervous. I thought I was going to fall asleep. 
I thought Chris was gonna fall asleep, but <laughs> it, it turned out to be a great story. Like I was into it. I mean, ten minutes in, I was in. Yeah. You know, when that bus pulled up and the inmates start getting off, I was in. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this about to be? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that movie comes out in '93, I think, correct, yeah. Connolly? And it's a bomb. I mean, a huge bomb. I think it made less than a million bucks at the box office. And it's one of those movies. But it was automatically critical acclaimed. It was, it was critically acclaimed, but no one saw it. And then people started catching it. On, but why, why was it a bomb? Like, no why do you think? Why? You know. Were, it, were, were, was there no star power there? Well, I'm, I'm trying to think where Morgan Freeman is at that point. But, and Tim Robbins was somewhat of a star, but it had, a, I guess, a strange title maybe. It's based on a Stephen King novella. But I, you that know, was also a big year for movies. There was a lot going on. It, you know, it, Pulp it, Fiction. I was about it to say, is, what else was lingering around that time? Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump. Oh, uh, wow. Those were the Oscar nominees. Those were huge. Now, like on IMDb, it's the second highest rated movie in the history of movies behind The Godfather from the audience's perspective. So wow. people really loved it. And there's a lot of interesting behind the scenes on people who might have played in this movie. Tom Cruise was involved at one point. Harrison Ford was going to play Morgan Freeman's part. Tom Hanks was offered it. Uh, Tim Robbins' part, which, what do you think if Tom Hanks was a Tim Robbins? I mean, Now that you mentioned Tom Hanks, I kind of feel like same demeanor. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I will say, though, from the beginning, I thought that, was it Adam? Was his name Adam or Andy? Andy. Andy. I thought he was innocent from the very beginning. Well, when I, I was think, watching him in the court. I, I think what's what's interesting about the movie, the year before a movie called The Fugitive comes out, which was an incredible movie starring Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. And it opens. It's almost identical. It opens in a courtroom. Harrison Ford gets convicted of murder and he goes to jail. Uh, the difference is the, the bus place. overturns and then he's running for his life and trying right. to prove his innocence. So what's interesting about this movie is like it. Always the the star is going to probably be innocent. So you think that this movie is going to be about this guy proving his innocence, but it's not. I, I just thought it was interesting. These these, these guys and, and, you know, I think that, you know, from uh, outsider, you know, uh, we look at people in prison and think that they're just these angry, mad people all the time. And like, you know, I think most people who have committed crimes outside of the. Uh, habitual offenders, you know, like just had a bad freaking day, you know what I mean? Okay. And there's crimes of passion and, and things like that. But I think these guys had so much personality outside of the the sweet crew. Whatever, what were they calling them? Of the uh, sisters. The sisters, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like outside of them, you know, but there was still so much to know about these people. Like you said, everybody's innocent in here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I thought that was, I thought it was funny, but it was nice to see you know, the adjustment in just life and, you know, how I, I love that Andy always found a way to smile. I don't know if you paid attention to that. Yeah. But, you know, like when the, they were having beers on the rooftop and he was just like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like he always found a way to smile. And that was so interesting to me. Like that stood out the most. Like how you have just been convicted. You just reached your 10 year mark. You didn't do this. You know, he's more years are going by. He's getting older, the gray showing, you know, he's finding ways to cope and deal and, um, you know, just develop some sense of normalcy in this place. To me, I love Tom Hanks, but the the, the chemistry between, you know, Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. And let's face it, man, Morgan Freeman, the ultimate narrator, pretty much the voice of God. Right. Yeah. He made it poetic. He did. I mean, it's just like hard to imagine. Can you imagine if that movie wasn't narrated by Morgan Freeman? It'd be 
I couldn't Honestly, imagine. I don't think it's as good. Yeah, yeah, well, it's interesting because you always, when a movie's great, you always go, how can you imagine anything else? So it's impossible. But Morgan Freeman, and I've seen this movie, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. I've seen this movie 30 plus times. I'll you know? watch it again. I know every single moment of it before it's going to happen. And it's still, it's this weird movie because also, and, and there's no criticism. I love it. I think it's kind of a masterpiece. Roger Deakins cinematography. It's like beautiful and you're it in is this beautiful. dark freaking disturbing mm-hmm. story but it's it's a fairy tale because it's not really real but with all that's going on in the world right now it also does have this message about the power or as bad as the criminals you know and and are there any better villains than these two guys i mean this warden is the worst thing oh i've ever seen at first when he first you know when he was giving his little spiel to the new prisoners. I was like, oh, okay, this is different, you know, um, because he came from such a spiritual place. But immediately I was like, oh, that's a cover up, like for something, you know (laughs) what I mean? But I wasn't expecting it when he walked in the office and and he threw him in the hole for a month. And and I was like, oh, my God, this is bad. But, you know, it's funny. He was working on that tunnel the whole time. I know. (laughs) I know. He was always getting getting out of there. How many times did he come close to getting caught? It's crazy. Well, hopefully everybody. Wait, wait, wait. wait. He he came close to getting caught? Well, I mean, they were in his cell looking around and they had already started digging. The rock hammer was in the Bible. Rock hammer in the Bible. (gasps) He he, he gave him a pass on that huge poster. Yeah. Well, if he would have banged down that poster, there would have been a giant hole. I mean, the odds of of digging that hole without anybody finding it the odds of the warden the, well, i the, think that with all even though the warden was such a, a crappy person i think that with all adam was doing with the taxes and he was doing so much i'm like it, I, I i could see something like that being realistic because yeah. he was you understand he was making a way for that prison to still remain what it was Oh, yeah. He no, was getting sure. special privileges. He was getting so special privileges, him, yeah. They, left, they let him alone. They let him build the library. They let him do a bunch of stuff. But and here's I think an the one thing they didn't aggravate is his, is his cell. They yeah. let him carve his little rocks. Right. And well, they let him put a sexual, very sexual poster up at, Hardly at a time. Sexual. I mean, it's Raquel Welch. In 1965, that was a very sexual poster for an ultra-religious uh, warden. Prison. That yeah. was an extremely sexualized picture. There was picture. nothing religious about that prison. I can say, as someone, I've seen it 50 times, it gets me emotional. I'm watching these scenes that I know what's going to happen, and it still gets me emotional. And, and more interesting facts, Connolly. That's is, how I feel about the bodyguard. That's <laughs> Well, that's when Whitney sings. Imagine, <laughs> yes. imagine instead of the opera, they played uh, "I Will Always Love You" over those loudspeakers. Uh, that scene, though, for me was amazing. Yeah, when he just kicked back and put his hands behind his head, and he just, you know, he actually turned the music up, and and you know, the just how attentive and militant that whole yard was. Everybody in the prison, I was just like, wow. Yeah, I wonder if that sound system would have really uh, taken over the uh, the crowd at that point. But the yeah, whole movie's like I a Norman so. Rockwell painting. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's poetry, and uh, so I was going to say though, little also little unknown fact: James Gandolfini was offered the role of of the lead sister guy that that rapes. Boggs. Yeah, Boggs who rapes uh, Tim Robbins for a couple of years in that movie. Boggs so. wasn't the rapist, was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boggs was that that strange looking. Uh, okay, him. so what was the guy's name that that? That killed itself. Uh, that was Brooks. 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 Okay, that's what. Uh, now Boggs Brooks, Brooks is played by a character named uh, actor named James Whitmore, who goes way back to like the film noir. He was in one of my favorite movies called Asphalt Jungle. 
a John mm. Huston movie. And it's funny because he plays this decrepit old man, but you should see him when he's in his 30s. In his prime, yeah. He would have knocked you right, Alan. He would you could your jujitsu. He was so small. He was so tiny. But he got that way when he was in his prime, man. He had like the forearms. He was jacked. But that's also you get a little touch of what I'm talking about with this movie. He gets out on parole finally after 50 years, and he throws it away like almost a comedy. He's working at the grocery store where the manager's an asshole, and he's like, he's like, I you know I thought I could go back to jail, just kill this manager, but you know I'm too old for that now. So get it. I don't want to get too deep into that thing is, but are these guys rehabilitated at all or not? And, uh, you know, what, what would they be? But, uh, I, one, one thing about church, I it felt like it had a few endings and I don't mean that as a criticism. Right. But it's like, that was like the, almost the middle of the movie when that happened. That felt yeah. like, yeah. Man, and then, yeah. then Tim Robbins gets out Andy Dufresne escapes and that's the end of the movie. But then it's back to Morgan Freeman and then Morgan Freeman right. gets out. Yeah. I definitely thought, endings. I thought that the bus was the ending. Well, the bus was the original ending, and then the studio wanted Darabont to add on where they get to the beach, which, uh, as I read, he didn't even want to do. He thought it was over on the bus, which, you know, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of with him, actually. I mean, I, I didn't need to see them on the beach, and, uh, you know, but it's— I did. I needed to see that. You did. Well, I needed to see that. Do you want to know what else? There, there was some dialogue in there that they ended up cutting. What was it? play it do you have it the, no but it was so they're walking up on the beach and um they see each other tim robbins is on the boat sanding down the boat and morgan freeman walks up and says i heard you're looking for a a, a guy that can get things oh right? and they, that would have made me cry well they did they shot <laughs> that it probably and then made me they cry. and then that was probably the kind of the thing with darabon he said All right, that, that's it that's where i draw the line so they shot that and then they cut it where they just cut to the wide shot of them seeing each other. All right, thanks for listening to Hollywood Ways. We're going to take a quick break to talk about you. Let me ask you a question. Do you find yourself struggling with grief, relationships, or stress? Are you having trouble sleeping or meeting goals? If so, online therapy might be for you. Now, I'm a person who deals with a lot of this stuff. I deal with depression. I deal with anxiety. And, you know, I also deal with the fact that I don't really love to leave my house, so it's not great when I have to go find a therapist. So it's nice that BetterHelp is secure online therapy that offers is video, phone, and even live chat sessions with a licensed professional therapist. Um, so BetterHelp will help you assess your needs and match you with your own accredited therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, and the service is available to clients worldwide. So if you're traveling and you need someone to talk to, you can do that as well. So you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Great thing about online therapy is that it's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is in fact available. Visit betterhelp.com slash Hollywood and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Hollywood Ways is sponsored by BetterHelp and our listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash Hollywood. That's betterhelp.com slash Hollywood. So I want to talk, Breezy, you watched this with your fiance last night. She's never seen it also. Did you guys cry during this movie at all? We didn't. Oh. By the end, though, she was, like, cuddled up, like, on <laughs> yeah, my I mean, neck. Cry, like, when you say cry, like, yeah, she didn't her cry, but tears we, streaming down her face? No. Yeah, there wasn't tears. How the fuck do you know whether she had tears down her face? I'm, I'm asking her. I'm not Breezy asking her. I have the same. Oh, yeah. Family. You're real similar. What makes this movie so great for me and one of my disturbing arguments with Connolly is, and again, Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. I don't know why Tim Robbins gets no credit because everybody talks about Morgan Freeman, who was nominated 
The movie is not is nominated for best picture, but it's nominated, for but best not picture. for writer or director, which is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Because this movie is brilliantly written and directed I think for that day and time. That, that's a great film. Oh, it's great, but it plays today. You know, one of the great it things does. about it, it doesn't feel dated at all. I guess you know, there's no real uh, yeah. technology in it because they're locked up in a prison. But it feels completely relevant right now, and no different than I think that. But it felt prison that. system has changed, right? I mean, I think that's. They uh, said you that see what's going they, on at Rikers right now. Well, they said know. before they shot that film that 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 prison shut down in 1990, but it was open for like a hundred years. Wow. I just don't know how so anyone. It was actually could, a real thing in in Mansfield, Ohio. I don't know anyone could see that movie though and want to go to prison, and that still was probably one of the better prisons you'd be in. Like if you could go in and have like your boys in there and you play chess. And Can checkers, you really get whiskey? I mean, I, I mean, you, you know what? Though times have changed. Back then, you you were able to smoke in prisons. You were able to do a a lot of shit. Now, no. I love that. I know what you're saying. There's a couple of things, but I, I don't. I don't think it, it's, they're going for the realism there. Right? No, it's a, it's poetry and right. and it's beautiful. But I'm saying again, if we were going into the like, how would you make this realistic? I mean, that poster's not staying up. I've hung a thousand posters on my wall. They do not stay up. And then, in jail? <laughs> no, but that would be even harder. Well, he got a new poster. stick in 1960. Every season, every season. Every it was, he had three posters in 20 years. Now, okay. Where was where was uh, Morgan Freeman at in his career when he did this film? Like, what was prior to this? I believe he already won an Oscar for Driving Miss Daisy. Right, that's uh, before I believe. Yeah, Driving Miss Daisy was before, but I think that was right. You know, that was that was him at the at the top of his game for sure. That's one thing me and Chris said by throughout the movie. We're like Morgan Freeman just has looked the same since we can he remember. He has not aged. Yeah. Since we can remember, he like got to a certain point and he stayed there. Yeah. What a voice, though. I mean, it just, yeah. you know, and, and I know what His you're saying, Kevin, amazing. but I do believe if somehow Morgan couldn't do it, that it's just a great film. And there's different do it, it would have been a major could, blow he, to the film to not have Morgan Freeman narrate. I mean, that. any movie that you love, it would always seem like it's going to be a major blow. Honestly, even the, I can't imagine any other person playing the warden. He was that good. Like, and it's kind of a one note yeah. character. He's just an asshole. He never gives any humanity at all in that movie. He is just absolutely an asshole, if but he's you were great. nitpicking, right? I mean, the, <laughs> Tim Robbins is like six, five. Yeah. How he walked out of there in the warden suit. <laughs> and shoes, he probably wouldn't have fit, fit. that. You have to suspend belief there a little bit on that one, but that was really. You're cool. not with me on this poster thing, though. How huh? you I'm think? And by the way, you get in the hole and then you put the poster back and you stick it with. I, I thought about that. You stick I it with did. gum. Like, what does he have that's sticking it on the wall? And it's not even. It's not even bent at all. They spend ten minutes in that cell before anyone even thinks to look at Raquel Welch. By the way, which I had that poster. Raquel Welch is probably. My all-time favorite, by the way. So, um, but Connolly's not bothered by that. Well, uh, no, the poster didn't bother me. The poster <laughs> didn't bother me. He, he dug a he dug a tunnel, and he listen. He Andy Dufresne was a smart. What guy. was he the purpose of when he got through the the tunnel when he got down to where the pipes were, and every time lightning hit, he was banging. So they wouldn't hear it. Which I know that, but what what was the point of him letting all that water and shit out? Because he so needed he could, to get through that pipe. He could get through that pipe. Oh god! I just don't know how he knew a lightning storm was going to come because he had to do it that night. He he had to close. The thing was in motion and. If there was no lightning, if the weather report, which I don't know how he got that, if the weather report was wrong. A lot of lightning. A lot of lightning. (laughs) Just the idea of taking a short story, which... By Stephen King. Stephen King also is famous for not liking the movies that are made out of his stuff. He hates The Shining. I think he hates... I'm not sure. I think he hates Carrie, too, but he loved this movie. And, uh, you know, Frank Darabont, you know what he paid 
to get the rights to that short story from Stephen King? How much? One dollar. And he what? Yeah, he had made yeah, another. Stephen King's like that. Like if he likes you, he'll give you stuff for free. And you know, Kevin and I got to work with Frank Darabont, um, who was awesome on on Entourage. Doug you know? gave away a whole show. What for free? Yeah, I did give away a whole show. <laughs> I gave away billions for free. Yeah, exactly. You're giving shows away. What a uh, dummy um, I am. No, I listen. There, there. I think the movie will. For me, honestly, I would have to put it in my top, my top five for sure. Yeah. See, I and and you it, don't agree with me on that. It's it's a top one for me. I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, you guys have great taste in films. Well, Breezy's seen it once. I think it is one of those movies. Which I guess is kind of how I judge my favorite movies. Can you watch it over and over and over? Or which, can you pick up, if you're flipping through the channels and it's on, can you watch it from any point? And never is there a better case for that than Shawshank. Yeah, so Doesn't matter I where could, it is in the movie, I you could. can just watch it. I want to watch it again. I, I love it. So, I, 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 you know, I don't want people because, you know, I said I didn't like The Bodyguard and The Outsiders. Well, I didn't like as much as the book. I love, love, love Shawshank. But no shot in hell is it anywhere near my top five movies of all time. Does Kevin know Outsiders is in theaters? Uh, right yeah. Now? The Outsiders is playing in theaters re-released. 4K. 4K. After that podcast? I think we did it. <laughs> Go, Doug. We're making shit happen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll talk about another. I, I love this idea, though, and I do want Breezy to bring us films, too, so we can talk about them. But I do like looking at this AFI top list. Can we watch another Whitney Houston film and see how you feel? Is there another one? Waiting, Waiting to, to Exhale. Exhale. Oh, we can watch Waiting to ex- Exhale. Now, that's a, a movie time. I can watch over and over from any point at any time. Well, well, how and, was, I, and I cry. And waiting to exhale, I believe that was critically acclaimed, right? I believe I have people responded. And that's no another idea. film that, with I the mean, greatest soundtrack. Is Angela Bassett in that? Yes, okay, Angela Bassett. I, I'm not even sure I've ever seen yeah, it. Babyface did the entire soundtrack for that. Oh, you know who knows Babyface? Ted Foxman. Ted Foxman is very <laughs> close to Babyface. So no, is, that, is that the next movie, by the way? <laughs> Can we? I know. I mean, I'm well, happy to make it the next movie. But wait, does he know about the Paperboy? He does not know about The Paperboy. So we need to talk about this. Breezy wanted me to watch The Paperboy, and this is so weird. A film that I've seen as a kid, and I just watched it again as an adult, but go ahead. I'm going to let you, you're going to have to describe it, but what happens is Breezy tells me The Paperboy. I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it. I turn on the TV. I search The Paperboy, and here comes a movie from Lee Daniels, Matthew McConaughey, Nicole Kidman. Lee Daniels created Empire that Breezy was on. So I'm like, obviously, this is the movie. I watch it, and then I call her, and and she's like, you know, it's about the 12-year-old kid who murders people. I'm like, there's no 12-year-old kid in this movie. So I watched the wrong Paperboy. He said he watched it halfway through, waiting for somebody to get killed, and it never happened. All right. I will watch it. We'll watch Waiting to Exhale. We can honestly do both. I would like to ask one one more thing of you guys. Kylie's like Columbo, by the way. In closing ever, on Shawshank Redemption. Everyone needs to watch Columbo to understand what I'm saying, but just one more question. <laughs> so that was, we, all, we all assumed, right, that, like, and I, I'm, as we sit here, I'm sure that he was innocent, but is there a world or is there a theory out there that maybe he was guilty? I think he was 100% guilty. Who? Tim Robbins. 100% I think he was guilty. I, I don't believe... First of all, this is just my opinion. No. That character, when they flash back to that guy... He's so over the top that to me it feels like it's a, it's either a made up story, but I believe you never heard Tim Robbins really complain until he had a moment. And I think one of the great things that I love, one of the best lines in that movie, and I don't want to say it wrong, but he basically said, I was never a crook on the outside. 
It and, took me to come to prison to be a criminal. Right, which is a great Right, line. on the outside, I was straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to be a crook. Look yep. at Connolly. Now you know why he's an actor. He delivered that Jesus, pretty well. Man, you imagine you imagine you, Kevin Connolly instead you, of Tim Robbins? Did you read the sides? I would have fit into that suit. Than him. <laughs> it, it's an interesting thing that you're saying, and I believe that's why I said The Fugitive, which is an amazing movie, is about him proving his innocence. This movie is about that great line that Tim Robbins says, you can either um, get busy living or get busy dying. Yep. And I think this movie is about hope. And this is, movie is about finding life in whatever your circumstances is. Uh, and I yep. think that's why it moved me so much. Is it so supposed much. to be ambiguous or does it take a real cynic like yourself to believe that he's guilty? I cannot answer that, but I believe he is 100% guilty. Why? He, he got out of the car with a loaded gun, <laughs> drunk out of his mind. The odds that there happened to be somebody else in the area that shot with the same gun. And then he threw his fucking gun in the river. They cannot find they it. And he said, so what was the purpose of this weirdo telling his story? We don't even know if that happened. We, it happens all the time in prison. I mean, like, I've never been there, but we know there's always, there's always someone who's got the confession that can, can release people. Connolly does a lot of podcasts about true crime and Dateline. We're both obsessed with. There's always, oh, they had a guy in prison who came forward with new evidence. But I think that's what's so great about the movie. Of course he's guilty, but does he deserve I, I, a second of chance? Of course. You don't know that for sure. I mean, I he guess he says it like it. we've seen it. I don't, I don't. I guess we could Google it. I, I never it really thought, I never really even stopped. That's how good the movie was to me that I never even really stopped to think about the possibility. They don't really talk much about that. What I can yeah. promise you I'm going to do, because I did, I did email Frank Darabont at a 10 year old email address. Now, it's right. possible. Just like, he probably got a new email. No, but I'm he saying it's possible it. just Dang. like he's not guilty. It's possible Frank got it and just doesn't want to talk to me. Right. But it's more likely he did not get it. So I'm going to call him and ask him. But I think, I think the genius of that movie is, unlike The Fugitive, which is about proving someone's innocence, that has nothing to do with what this movie is about. That, this movie is about people make mistakes and should their lives be over because of it. But in this movie... You clearly want, whether Tim Robbins is guilty or not, you want him to escape. Right. You and, do you, not and, want... and Morgan Freeman, who, who admits to being guilty, you want him out. Yep. You know? it, says on, it says on Google that he was wrongfully charged for a double murder. Yeah, fuck Google. What does Google know? Right. Everything. <laughs> what does Google do besides steal your, your data? The guy <laughs> in the jail's name was Elmo Blatch. Elmo Blatch. Elmo Blatch entered the house and killed them both. Andy, Andy was wrongfully charged with double murder. Listen His to wife me. and the man she was cheating with. Just because Google says it, don't make it true, okay? I believe my interpretation of that movie is he was guilty. I mean, look at him. He's sitting in that courtroom. First of all, I don't know who represented him. Why is he speaking on his behalf? <laughs> Shut I, up, sir. He should have never testified. And he's such a wise-ass, too. He's like, isn't it convenient that the gun's missing? He's like, it's decidedly inconvenient since I'm, like, being convicted, but... I believe that Frank Darabont is going to confirm to me, and we should look at the short story too. We have no idea what that says, but I said he was autistic. Who was autistic? Andy. Oh, in the in the. Mm -hmm. That's that's very interesting though, because Aspergery possibly for sure, because he's a brilliant guy and he does keep his emotions in check. So that that's an interesting thing. Who was Michael Corleone? Michael Corleone is the Godfather, Godfather, which is the number one movie on IMDb ahead of Shawshank Redemption, which we are definitely going to do that movie, so this is too. Both of them were, autis- were autistic. They say Michael Corleone was autistic? Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Interesting. I, what does Google know? That's I, what they said. I, I don't know what that says, but Google does not know anything. And the last thing I'm going to leave you guys on, because we're talking internet, and this is totally off the subject, but I want to talk about it because I, I someone posted something to me yesterday. I posted like a pickleball video because I'm very athletic, breezy. I've seen you. And somebody... Uh, that ball said, was chasing you. Yeah, but but my friend who did our music for Entourage like wrote some nasty shit about my game, which is ridiculous because uh, at 54... With you, uh, yeah, but I just said i go i will beat you with my phone i don't even need a paddle and instagram said i went against community guidelines like i was because well, that's a threat him. okay it's a know, threat you, know you said people, i will beat you with my phone do you know how it many, stops there okay so they should you're telling me they should they should decide context of the things they would well, rewrite they, do. Saying, they was, really monitor based off using of the words. i'll beat you like with my phone is like a like a, using my i phone know what paddle. he was saying do you I'm know how many you, threats I get a week on but Instagram? But I'm telling you what those, what the, You're you know, it's, it's gauged by words. If you realize, I, and I don't know, it only bothers some accounts. But if you try to type something that has a word that is flagged somewhere for that uh, network, your comment won't post. I know why it got down. I right. just think it's insane and yeah. ridiculous. But it's an algorithm. It's not like a person, yeah. right? Yeah. It's it's, yeah. They got to change that algorithm. Somebody and... said beat one too many times that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, imagine and what would happen. Flagged. They would be flagging the Shawshank prison warden all day long for the stuff he was doing to Andy Dufresne. Yeah, he but flagged. Anyway, I'm glad we got to see this movie. We're going to watch. Uh, we're going off the path because I was going to go on to these AFI movies, but... Next week, we're going to watch Waiting to Excel. We want Whitney to redeem herself. And The Paperboy. We're going to go with both of those. I will watch both. And since it's an Angela Bassett movie, I don't know if we can do three, but I don't know if Connolly's seen it. But What's Love Got to Do With It is one of my favorite movies. I know so. it front to back. Ooh, I like that. So we may have to talk about that one Angela day. I love Angela Bassett. Too. But, but yeah, The Paperboy, the Canadian film that came out in 94, not the Lee Daniels version. Okay. And everybody, last thing before I say goodbye, be careful when you threaten me on Instagram. I'll take it down. <laughs> Good afternoon and good night And welcome to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast The most fun you'll ever listen to while you're folding your clothes Now let's get this straight This is not your average podcast T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio is super fun, super crazy It's pretty much an in-your-face conversation That's the good thing about us We don't do interviews We do conversations All of my guests, all of my co-hosts, we chill We drink, we play games We have the song of the week We have the creative curse word of the week As long as you're having fun as our guests Speaking of guests, each week I'm going to go through my whole contact list and dive head first into the world of music, gaming, exotic cars, tech, strippers probably, doctors probably, probably strippers that are only stripping so they can pay for tuition to become a doctor. You never know. My wife is a certified bartender. She'll make you a drink while you're here. We'll get you drunk and make you play VR after. It's a lot going on. But that's what it's all about over here at T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. See you soon, baby.